0: Welcome to the Art of Medicine, the program that explores the arts, business, and clinical aspects of the practice of medicine. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner, and my guest today is Dr. Mahin Masoof Adamson. Welcome, Dr. Adamson.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Dr. Adamson, today we're going to talk about something that I think it's really important gender differences, particularly in relationship to head injury. Now you are a clinical associate associate professor of neurosurgery at Stanford. And your interest is what happens to the brain, right? When it gets injured. And Mm -hmm. is there a difference between female brains and male brains in response to that injury? Is that
1: right? That's absolutely right.
0: So I guess a priori, why should there, well, you know, at the risk of being politically incorrect, I will say that there are differences between men and women, correct? Correct, very much all, so, uh-huh. We all agree on that. <laughs> yes. uh, what about their brains? Are there differences in their, in their brains?
1: Sure, um, let's uh, unpack this a little bit. I wanted to um, go back to how you, uh, you know, you mentioned that I am a a clinical associate professor at, uh, in neurosurgery at Stanford, but my main appointment is actually at the VA Palo Alto. And um, I'm a clinical research director there for the rehab services. And what's really important, the reason I mentioned that is because my work has been in veterans a lot for uh, traumatic brain injury. And that's how I got into it. So I got into this because I've been studying uh, Alzheimer's disease, cognitive aging, and then I started studying traumatic brain injury. So the access to data that I had was, you know, since 2005 or so, we you know have data that looks at departmental data on uh, men and women who are veterans. And uh, as you know, in the military, there's not many women, but the, but the population of women who are in the military has increased a lot. Like from 12% to maybe 17% now. And so the numbers are increasing. So we were able to look at uh, the difference in gender in just symptom reporting. So even there, there was a glaring difference between how women report symptoms after brain injury versus what symptoms are reported for men. And because I'm a neuroscientist by training, I was like, hmm, reporting this but what's going on in the brain and as you know anyone who starts taking even undergraduate classes in neuroscience we always learn about evolution we learn about how the brain you know develops and how different parts develop at different stages and there's always some document some paragraph in there and some chapter in that undergraduate book that talks about sex differences in the brain and it starts with how you know, um, women have smaller brains or smaller skulls or they have, um, because they're just made smaller in a way on on general. And we have less blood in our body. I think it's one liter less or something like that. Um, But I think it's important to see that there's a ton of research that has looked at the differences in the brain in the anatomy between men and women. And there's, there's two camps, one camp that says that yes, those differences are biological. And the other camp says that it's an interaction with the environment and it's how you nurture. It's the nature versus nurture argument, right? But I think it actually, it doesn't have to be that way. I feel like it's more has to do rather than with the structure, it has to do with the function of the brain and how you utilize it and how it develops into things that you know women are, better at verbal memory, men are better at spatial memory. And these are things that some people can test. Some there's evidence on both ways, but there are differences. And, um, you know, I, I, the old saying that, you know, gosh, maybe 15 years ago, it was like men are from Mars and women are from Venus, that kind of stuff. It's not as cut and dry as that. So, um, but yeah, so the, yes, there are differences. I hope I answered your question.
0: <laughs> so back to the military there is head injury and more and more women are on active duty where they're susceptible to head injury. So in terms of complaints, you said there was a difference between men and women reporting symptoms. What what was the gist of that? Did men report more symptoms or different symptoms or women reported more symptoms? How did that play out?
1: Sure. Um, so again, I have to give uh, credit to the team that I work with and um, um, you know, Dr. Odette Harris and other collaborators and who have really done a lot of work on looking at symptom reporting. And symptom reporting is really interesting. So we, we were able to, ma- so we did a paper into 2020 and it was um, one of my collaborators, uh, Max Gray, his last name is Gray, so it was a Gray at all. And the paper, we wanted to really see the difference in symptom reporting that was just about the difference between the gender. So what we did was we matched them. So we matched the sample of men and women on the type of TBI they had, traumatic brain injury, the age at which they had it, and how far it was from when when they reported it, how far the TBI was. So when you match those TBI characteristics and we looked at the differences in symptom reporting, what we found was women had more psychiatric problems that they were reporting years after the traumatic brain injury. Psychiatric meaning depression, anxiety, um, and PTSD. They also had more self-report of cognitive complaints. I'm losing, I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering things and more than men. And the third thing we found was there was a little bit more of vertigo that was being reported. Now, some of this can be explained that these are all like hypotheses that either have been tested or are being tested some of this can be explained by some uh, physical aspects so women have on general a thinner neck and if you this is actually uh, one of our uh, wonderful collaborators uh, dr. Jam Gajar at uh, in neurosurgery at Stanford and he And I remember talking to him once and he was, he was, uh, he's actually published papers on this as well, is um, you, when, when you get, suppose you get whiplash, right? Or you're in a sports concussion or you're in, you know, and your head moves back. So if your neck is, is thin muscles, the impact is a little bit different in men than it is in women. Women tend to have more balance issues. I have balance issues. I have vertigo actually, and that's not because of traumatic brain injury, but I know what it feels like. So that seems to be a little bit more prominent in women than in men. So a lot of the times you somehow can take these reporting of symptoms on face value and say, oh, women are just more verbal. They're just gonna report more. It's not true. You can actually have them test on certain cognitive tasks and see the differences as well. That was not done in the study. This was just symptom reporting. So what I'm saying is some of, the, some of the complaints, you can actually go and empiric, empirically test them. And others, you can just say that, yes, that's the report. So I think that's what we found.
0: So one of the possibilities is that just due to being physically different, the injury would be different what about at the level of the brain itself I mean suppose we take uh, you know a male brain and a female brain and we hit each one with a hammer with the same force it's going to hurt um, so there is possibility that how much it hurts might be different and what about the healing do we, you know the a female brain certainly has a different assortment of hormones I mean the Absolutely. neurons as far as we know are the same but is anybody, is there a way to look at that? Can, can it be studied? Yes,
1: yes. So, Andrew, I'm so excited that you asked this question because, um, you know, scientists always study, like, one aspect of something. But when you're doing clinical translational science and you're actually working in hospitals and you're a scientist, what you get exposed to is, like, okay, you're, you're interested in epidemiology, you're interested in diagnosis. But how does that translate into actual treatment? How does that translate into what's happening in the brain? So I think what's um, clearly important is that in, in a way you have to look at it from the perspective of if, 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 if a woman gets a brain injury, how is the brain going to heal versus when a man gets a brain injury, right? And the trajectories are slightly different. Um, I'll give you an example. Now, this is, uh, there's a caveat in this. The paper that I'm going to talk about has been reviewed and has been, um, we have some edits on it, but it's going to be resent for sus- submission. So it is not published yet, um, but it has been reviewed. So the data that we have on this is we looked at structural brain differences. And the easiest thing that we could do with the small amount of data that we have is we looked at cortical thickness, which is the thickness of your cortex, how it changes after brain injury. One of the problems we have in brain injuries, we don't have pre-morbid data. So we don't know what the brain looked like before the injury happened, right? But we're able to say, okay, that these, this is the data from men, this is the data from women, and this is what um, we can actually look at their MRI scans and see whether their cortical thickness is actually correlated with any of the TBI variables, or if they, it is uh, correlated with any of their cognitive testing and stuff like that. What we were able to find was that in women, the cortical thickness was not coming back to normal versus men, it came back to normal. Now I just told you, we don't have pre-morbid data. So you are like, what's normal? Normal is from literature. From norm, from healthy individuals, what we were able to find in journal articles, what cortical thickness it should be if you don't have brain injury. So, you
0: like those growth charts they have for kids, you know, it is exactly. A age, it's be a certain height. You know, it's not a hundred percent, but it's pretty close to, it what, is it close. to yeah. what it ought to be.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important because now, what? Why? Why is it like this? One factor could be hormones, right? One factor could be um, n- not just hormones in the system, but also after menopause and when the hormones leaves, a- a estrogen, you know, there's no estrogen and there's cognitive effects, maybe that. The other aspect of it is sociological, so social determinants of health. So we know that women, despite being more educated than men, are more are more unemployed. They also live alone more than men. So these are. This is true for the for the veteran population. This is also true for the civilian population. So there may be some external factors that are um, not helping them heal better. We don't know, but here's there's data that's coming out, and there's a lot of data that we have to still uh, sift through. The other important thing I wanted to say was stuff like this is really crucial to address when you're trying to develop treatments. So, you know, we had all these issues with, um, gosh, um, the the ph- pharmaceutical company who came up with the drug, I forgot the name, but it had to do, what was it, Ambien? Uh, was it ambient? There was like, a, there was a sex, sex differences between them, uh, the way uh, that uh, drug was metabolized by men versus women. So mm-hmm. that had to do with pharmaceutical. When you're do, doing any other kind of treatment, so if you're doing brain stimulation, which is what I do, I do neuromodulation, which is you uh, you basically stimulate the brain by using non-invasively by using an, an, an electromagnet, an FDA approved protocol. Whether you do that, whether you do cognitive behavioral therapy, whether you are doing any virtual reality therapy, anything that's non-invasive, you still have to take into account the fact that you're treating a woman versus a man. And how do you treat take that into account? You find out what if they are below the below the age of for the menopause, you find out what a menstrual what phase of the menstrual cycle they're in. If they are after menopause, you find out when the menopause was. Those are factors that have to be taken into account. Because just an example of brain stimulation, if you in in women who, who were suffering from epilepsy, if you stimulate their brain, depending on the phase of their menstrual cycle, the neurons fired differently. So, and I'm not saying, I mean, if you knew this, then wouldn't you save money in a way, like all these treatments, they're expensive. If you knew that this is not going to work at this time of the month, maybe do it later or something like that, you know? Right.
0: So uh, as an epileptologist, I'm uh, familiar with that phenomenon. There, there are women, for example, who only have seizures during a certain phase of their menstrual cycle, and we target the treatment uh, be, to that time period. Uh, I think this is really interesting because it's a basic tenet of medicine that we individualize therapy. Right, one size doesn't fit all, and it may be that uh, that applies. Uh, well, you it, you you didn't re- Were you able to control for size? You know, one of the big differences in men and women is that men tend to be bigger and women tend to be smaller, and that applies to their heads. So, uh, were you able to size match, you know, take a lot of five foot two women and compare them to five (laughs) foot two men and see if the differences went away, you know, or if they uh, persist? That might be an easy uh, thing to do. But I think even so, even so, even if you control for weight and size, uh, and muscle mass and uh, neck differences, it sounds like there are more complex uh, differences that uh, we just need uh, better tools uh, to study. You know, it's hard to put a micropipette into the brain and measure, you know, uh, hormonal differences and differences in electrolytes and neurotransmitters. But I suspect as we can do that uh, non-invasively, uh, some of these, uh, Observations may become uh, better uh, to substantiate. You know, we will be able to measure real uh, differences.
1: I, I agree with you, and I wanted to bring up the epilepsy thing because because I know that you work in epilepsy, and I um, I think one mention that you had about correcting for size. So in brain imaging, what we do is we always normalize with total intracranial volume and if you, or or so basically you are normalizing by the size of your you know the size the overall size of your brain so we kind of correct for that and there's other corrections that we do but it's it's important to also know that these differences are there but they are there to be appreciated and they're there to help us create our care to be patient centered so everything becomes very precise and accurate And individualize so that you can actually treat the, not just the symptoms, but actually the mechanism of of the, of the disease or the health problem that you have. And it again, goes back to the basics of medicine. Think of the patient first, know the patient really, really well. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Addison, we're just about out of time. Give us just a glimpse of uh, your current or next research project.
1: Oh boy, <laughs> I'm in the midst of submitting NIH grants um, and uh, just working on some very important issues regarding long COVID, um, and specifically uh, direct, again directed towards looking at the sex differences in long COVID. Oh, I think
0: that's I think that's fascinating.
1: It that's is going
0: to be very very. Uh, Interesting, and in a year or so, maybe uh, we'll talk about that.
1: Yes, and and I think one important thing I'm doing in that is I'm working with a huge consortium of, of, of people, um, wonderful collaborators and researchers across the world. Um, it's an international uh, consortium uh, that uh, the founder of it is at um, University of Southern California, Dr. Paul Thompson, and the consortium is called Enigma. Uh, but, but the the idea of of this the idea of the work that I'm pursuing right now is to really figure out the neural and the peripheral biomarkers that can help us determine what long COVID looks like. So brain imaging, full on like blood uh, collection to look at T cells, to look at um, the inflammatory markers and to really put together whether any of this long COVID is going to lead us into other things like dementia, you know, or chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, So things like that, like what is it that is in store for us for people who have actually recovered? And is there a sex difference in this? And we've seen some data out there that shows that yes, there seems to be longer symptom reporting in women for long COVID. There seems to be some stuff going on in the inflammatory markers that is also, you know, based. And there's my collaborators at UCSF are also working on it very heavily.
0: Well, it's very encouraging that so many scientists are approaching these pretty big problems. And Dr. Adamson, I want to thank you very much for a fascinating uh, discussion today.
1: Thank you very much. It was very nice to talk to you.
0: I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner. Thank you for listening to The Art of Medicine. This program is hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Wilner, MD, FACP, FAAN. Guests receive no financial compensation for their appearance on the art of medicine. Andrew Wilner, MD, is Associate Professor of Neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, Memphis, Tennessee. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this program belong solely to Dr. Wilner and his guests and not necessarily to their employers, organizations, or other group or individual. While this program intends to be informative, it is meant for entertainment purposes only. The Art of Medicine does not offer professional financial, legal, or medical advice. Dr. Wilner and his guests assume no responsibility or liability for any damages, financial or otherwise, that arise in connection with consuming this program's content. Thanks for watching. For more episodes of The Art of Medicine, please subscribe www.andrewwilner.com